episode 63 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast, in which we discuss the themes of well-being and sustainability in real estate and hospitality today. I'm your host, Matt Morley of Biophilico Wellness Real Estate, and in this episode, we're in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, talking to Nicholas White, co-founder and managing partner of the Smart Building Collective. That's a smart building and prop tech business with its own certification framework focused on how buildings, property managers, uh, landlords and owners can leverage technology to measure how their real estate asset is performing over time. That framework covers things such as building usage, its performance, building environment, health and safety, even user behavior, and of course, connectivity. But we also discuss how smart tech is basically nowadays at the heart of both sustainable green buildings and healthy buildings, whilst also playing a fundamental role in real estate ESG. It is, in other words, fundamental to everything that this podcast, and at least my work, is about. We also look at some inspirational real estate developments that Nicholas has been involved in recently that give a sense of perhaps where buildings are going. And I can tell you they are adaptable, they're future-proof, and they're definitely smart. So here he is, Nicholas White from the Smart Building Collective. Nicholas, thanks for joining us on the show. Amazing to have you here. You're, you're dialing in from Amsterdam? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me. Cool. Listen, why don't we start with a little bit of the background, just to give a sense of the, the genesis of what you do with the Smart Building Collective. So like, how did the whole thing start? What was the opportunity that you set out to, to focus and zero in on when you did this? Yeah, amazing, uh, amazing journey it's been. I think it was, um, I, I, came, I came, personally, I came from the corporate sector doing large scale IT transformation projects. And we were attacking these from the human perspective, really change management, trying to help people maximize the usage of, of tech and, and getting the most out of it. And what was always quite disheartening was that corporates would kind of roll over their people in that process, <laughs> which uh, was, was quite painful to watch at some times. And um, so I, I thought there needs to be a, a better way. There needs to be a more engaging way, a more a healthier way to, to do these kinds of transformation programs. So I left the corporate sector and I, I teamed up with a woman by the name of Elizabeth Nelson, and she was actually doing research into burnout and human performance and why do people do what they do and, and you know why are people falling over at work. And I was attacking it more from the practical side of working with leadership teams and, and working in corporate space to to make things better. And then we got this amazing opportunity with CBRE to do a research study on the impact of the built environment on people. And we were like, oh my God, you know, of course we have to do that. That's just the most amazing opportunity ever. So we worked with them and they built a, a living lab, uh, cost probably about 200, 250,000 euros to, to build. And then they started changing all of the things in the office environment. So they changed the plants and the food and the, the air and the light. And they changed it all over the course of, of 10 months. And that was incredible. Like they would do cognitive tests on people to see what the impact was. And, and once you have that data, you could do those kinds of amazing research studies. So the, the results were amazing. And then when we left, it was kind of disheartening because that living lab died. There was no one there to continue 
the legacy of this tech and, and get more out of it. So it's like, okay, that's that's lesson learned. You know, it took us a long time to build. It was quite expensive to do, and then it kind of died. But the results, the research uh, findings were incredible. They were really amazing. Um, and then uh, Elizabeth was asked to do it again uh, with Booking.com. Uh, and we did a, a huge research study here in Amsterdam that dictated their their new headquarter plans, which was really uh, quite cool. Same thing happened. You know, it took a long time to build, expensive to do. Research results were amazing. The living lab kind of uh, collapsed after after the research study was done, which is looking back is completely logical that that happened. Uh, and then we did it again for for GSK in the UK, GlaxoSmithKline, and then it was okay. Uh, is there not a better way to do this? Uh, where is there kind of a standard? And this was around 2018, 2019. Where is there a standard that we can just plug into and do research more effectively, more efficiently, and uh, more collectively, actually? And everybody we spoke to said, that's a really cool idea, but it, it doesn't exist. And then we kind of did some research of what kind of uh, standards or, or certifications would, would emerge. We knew that something would. Um, we came across some, some noise about the smart readiness indicator, which was the EU's uh, you know, approach to uh, a smart kind of standard. And for the rest, nothing else existed. So, um, so we started to, to make the rumblings and start to think about doing it ourselves. And that's kind of what we did. And we launched in 2020, uh, the smart building certification. Okay, so let's let's go a level deeper because I think a lot of people will have heard perhaps the term a green building, which is essentially a building that's designed to, to minimize its environmental impact. So it's sort of externally oriented. And then perhaps a healthy building becoming increasingly common as a terminology, perhaps more oriented internally, thinking about the impact the building has on its occupants. You just use the term smart building. It's in your brand. It's in your name. It's at the core of yeah. what you do. So how does a smart building fit into that spectrum of green on one side or on one side of the coin and healthy on the other? How do you see that triangulation? Yeah, well, for, for us, you know, smart is it's technology, it's digitization of real estate. And for us, it's an enabler. Uh, it's, it's nothing more than that. It shouldn't be a goal in itself to make a smart building. It's about the results that we're trying to achieve with that asset and then working back to think about, okay, how can we make that more efficient and easier to do and, and more real time? And I think that's where smart is really um, an enabler is that it gives us that, that ability to, to uh, manage these assets in real time and evolve uh, as we go. So it is essentially uh, the tech component of, of both sides, because I know, you know especially on the healthy building uh, scene, if you're not measuring it and monitoring it in the long term, uh, you, can't, you can't effectively justify the upfront investment that you put in, you need to keep an eye on, on what's happening. And, and pretty soon you get into some pretty deep conversations around tech and how you're going to see Absolutely. what's going on, right? And essentially that then almost morphs into from healthy into healthy and smart, if I understand right. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes beyond that, right? I think you have sustainability, 
you have health and well-being, but there's also efficiency gain through different management and maintenance of, of your asset, uh, better user experience, which isn't just health. It's also human performance and culture and community and building uh, a, a way for people to connect uh, with each other and with the asset. Uh, you also have kind of new business models that are emerging from the enablement that, that tech provides. Um, and that's that's really kind of uh, exciting, and that's you know that's really future focused. Is what is real estate of of the future going to look like, right? Because I think uh, we all have heard the pressure that that the commercial real estate is under with the changing of work, uh, flex working, not flex working. You know the whole discussion that's happening in between. Um, but what's going to emerge? And I think when we have data. And we have the ability to see what's working versus what's not working. I think you're in a much better position to make uh, good decisions, uh, make rational decisions. And you've created essentially your own framework that gives some structure to how you think about smart buildings. I think that's it's such an important piece of, of how you communicate your position and the, your let's say view of the real estate industry. So it's clearly at the core of, of what you're about. Perhaps you could just give us a, a quick overview of those the, the component parts that make up your framework. Yeah, sure. So the smart building certification, what we always uh, are, are saying is founded in research uh, and and practice, and and we're we're constantly optimizing it with our our community. Um, we actually made a change from the smart building certification to the smart building uh, collective. We did that last year in, in August. And the reason for that is that as we were certifying buildings, uh, we see that not a single one of them is similar. <laughs> They're all completely different. And there's so many different uh, ways to roam, I guess you would say, different roads to get you there. Um, so the, the, the certification really is is being informed by the collective, by the community. The smartest buildings we find and the smartest solutions we find are informing the benchmark and constantly changing it. So in a way you could start to think about it as a bit of a, a web three approach to certification in the sense that it is dynamic and it is moving and, and we're learning uh, as we go about the best that's going, going on. Um, but in essence, the certification that we have created um, starts with the result, right? Like, what are we actually trying to do uh, with these assets and then works back to the technology of, of how do we get to that result? And that result is is broken into a, a number of different modules uh, within the certification. Um, and, and so I'll, I'll just kind of quickly go through them, I guess. I think that's probably the easiest way to do it. Um, because... With smart building and real estate, we have so many stakeholders on table. We have so many stakeholders uh, kind of pulling at it and, and different silos at play. We have to break it down into, uh, into kind of chunkable pieces for each of those stakeholders. So uh, the first module is building usage. You know, how uh, does one have uh, kind of overview and, and control over how the asset's being utilized? So thinking about occupancy tech, thinking about how things are being, uh, how amenities are being used, these types of things. So what kind of technology do you have in place to understand how your asset is being used? 
Um, the next module is, is building performance. Um, then you can really think about your sustainability aspects, your, your energy consumption, your water consumption, how the, the, the asset is actually performing against the, uh, the goals and against the, the promise. Um, we have a module on building environment, which is thinking more about your health and well-being. Uh, and it's really about your indoor environment being sound, light, air quality, these types of things that are, are you know, how do we use technology to make sure that the environment is healthy and, and in state for people to use in a, in a good way? Um, and then we have a module on safety and security, of course, which is uh, both physical security, but also digital. Um, as you put more smart building, more technology into a, a building, we need to keep it safe. We need to keep the cybersecurity uh, at, at, uh, at the forefront, but it's also about physical security and disaster mitigation and these types of things. And then the last module is uh, user behavior and collaboration. So how can people uh, find each other? How can they interact with the building? How does community get created? Um, and then all of those modules are actually brought together by a, a module we call integrative design, which is how can we actually, with the least amount of technology, maximize the value and the results in all of those different areas? Um, instead of having a technology for each piece, how can we make sure that the technology becomes a really integrative, uh, designed you know, aspect that, that adds value to all those different areas? Um, and then I think one of the things that really sets us apart um, and, and makes it quite interesting, actually, is um, we have a huge emphasis on, on governance, process, access to data. Do the right people have access to the data to do something with it? And is the organization structured in a way that actually can do it? Because I think, uh, you know, a smart building without actually using that data is you could argue, is that smart? Perhaps for, for anyone who's not aware of some of the intricacies of how that works then, are you effectively looking at the facilities management, the building management company that's looking after the building? We're talking a fairly large scale, say mixed use or office development on behalf of the tenant or on behalf of effectively behind that the investor or is it the tenant themselves who has some role and wants access to that and needs to be involved in the in the, how does the how does that that structurally work in terms of who's monitoring and implementing these policies and maintaining them and keeping an eye on them? Because yeah. is that someone doing it on behalf of the tech company that's in the building, or is it the tech company itself looking at that themselves? Well, you know, ideally it's a communal effort. You know, like the whole idea is to break down silos and to be working together, right? To to uh, forge better relationships between the owner and the property manager and the tenants and all of the different suppliers that are, are in there. And I think where the industry is right now, which is challenging, is that all of those things are being done in silo. You know, every single one of those different stakeholder is dealing with their, their piece of the puzzle, which in the end makes it quite a, quite a challenging, uh, you know, situation to, to navigate. Um, so ideally, you know, the stakeholder map would be doing this uh, together. But what we see in practice is that it's coming from different perspectives. Like we will do a certification for a tenant 
that is interested in understanding what their their building is capable of doing for them from a tenant perspective, and they can use it to then work with the the landlord to say, hey, from my ESG perspective, I need to have better energy consumption or a better insight into my energy consumption, these types of things. We also do it from a, a building owner perspective that says, hey, I've laid in an incredible tech stack for, for my potential tenants and my property managers. How, how can we help them uh, you know, understand that it's there? So with, with your, your certification level and with your communication and your training, uh, how can I improve it? How can I make it better? And how can I make sure that you know, we transfer that knowledge to the, to the appropriate parties? So it's kind of coming from different angles right now, but I think the real hope for the future is that uh, it becomes a language that more and more people can can align on constantly. It's effectively tapping into this rising tide around awareness of ESG. I see it coming from from above in terms of pension funds and investment groups coming in and then applying pressure on the investors or the building owners, but also from below, effectively, sometimes from the employees themselves and oftentimes from, from brands, or in this case, tenants of the building, right? Then having to say, well, look, you know, we, we've got a pretty stringent ESG plan in place and we need the building to, to align with that. And so I guess Absolutely. in a sense, you, you end up being that, that bridge between the two as the tide grows ever, ever higher, right? Yeah, and you know where we're at right now is just meeting people where they are, right? Like we have some of the most, you know, the smartest developers in the world who, on one side, want to help tell the world that they've created something really spectacular and, and something really special. At at the other side, they want to say, okay, where are my holes? Where are my gaps? What am I not thinking about yet, so that I can, you know, uh, push push the envelope for for this development or or my next development. And then you have people who are like, well, what is smart? Like, how do I even, how do I even start? How do I even, where do I begin? And and that was one of the main reasons we pivoted to the the Smart Building Collective is that, you know, we're not here to say this is how you build a smart building. The collective is informing this certification, and then there's a ton of people in this community that are there to help. You know, from all different walks of life, with different culture, different you know, views, different ways of supporting. And, and so you can find the, the, yeah, find the solution when you, when you're looking for it. And is there a, a, a sort of, let's say a minimum size that you're noticing in the market in terms of buildings and developers who are coming to you with an interest in, in going deeper into this, you know, oftentimes you might see smaller developers, smaller building owners, uh, smaller tenants who are, have, are increasingly aware of this, want to get into it, and then look at the, the breadth of a big certification and just go, Fwah, okay, you know, I, mean, I can only do like one or two elements of that. It looks like a big undertaking. We don't have the, the manpower. We don't have the budget. How does SMART fit in? Is there a kind of bespoke approach that one can adopt, as you say, just to kind of get started? Or is it all or nothing? And therefore, is it a certain size of building that makes more sense? No, it's definitely not all or nothing. It's, you know, start start wherever you are, start small, start getting a little bit more control in different areas. And, and uh, you know, what's so exciting about the benchmark system that we've created is, is that it's, it's moving, you know, it's, it's rolling, but it's also 
applicable to whichever asset class, whatever size, uh, you know, whatever type of, of property in whatever country. Because what we what we are doing is actually starting to build kind of sub benchmarks, right? So if you are a building of five thousand square meters, which is you know not that big, let's compare you to other five thousand square meter buildings, and we get the we get the uh, question, you know, should I have a, a user app? Well, it depends, you know, it depends on the context, it depends on what you're trying to do, it depends on the the value cases you're after, what are you trying to accomplish with your property? And in that sense, you should really be compared to like-minded buildings and not to, you know, all of them. So a user app would then be a effectively a smartphone integrated user face where you can basically see what's going on around you in the building in terms of key data points and metrics, right? From air quality to I don't know, light usage and electricity usage. Is that essentially what it does? Yeah, so it's, well, I mean, they're, they come in all different shapes and sizes. Um, a lot of user apps focus on the community aspects of a building. You know, uh, you know, what kind of workshops are happening today? What kind of events? What kind of, uh, uh, is there a run uh, happening this afternoon with a group of people? Is there a concert ticket, that kind of stuff? Um, some of them go beyond the building itself and, and connect you to the community and the smart city space, you know, what's going on in the neighborhood. But you also see them as, as being utilitarian where, you know, they start to become the key to doors or the light switches for, for lights. And, um, and, and what you see is, to get the utilization up of those apps, you start with the utility piece, you know, making, if you can't open the door without it, then you're going to start using that app and then growing into that community aspect. Um, we also see uh, the app becoming kind of the full financial backbone of the building that it manages everything from room booking to, you know, to amenity usage. Um, so there's, you know, again, sky's the limit as to what you can do with those uh with that functionality. That's a big one. And and around the, the actual certification process itself, uh, how did the accredited professionals, so like your APs, how does that network of people who are who basically, as I understand it, sort of been through a certain process of learning, studying what you're about, understanding the certification piece, and then they are then charged with being almost the front line in terms of assessing the buildings wherever they might be in the world? Is that how you, you've structured that? No. No, it's a little bit different than that. You know, I think that would be kind of the traditional AP. Um, our certification comes from the world of academics. So it's, you know, it's um, we, we, when you research and you write a, a publishable paper, it always gets peer reviewed, right? So, you know, a, a, a scientific paper doesn't get published in the market until it's been peer reviewed. So we thought, you know, shouldn't that be how we assess buildings? So we built a peer review model where um, you have independent assessors who are looking at this building. And those assessors come from different cultures, different you know, parts of the world, and they look at your building. And then what we have in, in the certification process is we have quantitative data and we have qualitative data. The quantitative data is very much based on, you know, do you have the technology? Do you have the functionality, the coverage, you know? Is it there? And that's quite black or white, right? It's either there or it's not there. Um, the qualitative data 
is much more the, the grays that are going on in buildings, right? It's like your governance structure. How are you organizing yourself as a, as a building? Your integrative design, you know, how did you decide to build your smart building? Did you use a uh, one massive supplier for the whole tech stack that's, you know, really uh, been around for 30, 40 years? Or did you use a bunch of startups and scale-ups and have them work together, right? There's no kind of wrong answer there. You just make different decisions for different reason. And so there, there's definitely a qualitative piece that needs to be taken into consideration of, hey, this is what we see in buildings. This is the pros. This is the cons. Maybe this is something you should think about you know, moving forward. Um, and that peer review model has been hugely uh, successful in the sense that these assessors get to you know, assess buildings all around the world and they get to see the different cultures and the different ways that they're built. Um, and it's become a really, really incredible community of people who not only are working together daily to find good solutions for their own work, but, um, but also helping inform the, the collective uh, to improve the certification, improve what we do. Is there a particular building or case study that, that you've been through or been involved in in the recent months that, that has really stood out or could be uh, sort of representative of where things are going or where things are at today in terms of smart building excellence? Yeah, there's been quite a few actually. And, and what's amazing is that, so, so the smart building certification, the way it's built is that you have a benchmark on total level. So you'll compare buildings to buildings like on total level. But we also benchmark on those sub-levels. So all the, those, those modules that I just explained to you, we benchmark on those levels as well. And then we benchmark on the sub-sub-level as well, even below that. So what you see is you see where buildings excel, where they do really well in one or two or three areas. And you see areas for improvement or opportunity for, for doing things even better. And so what we're seeing across the board with all these buildings is that every single building is excelling in one area over other areas. And sometimes they're excelling in one area over all the other buildings that we've certified. So in a way, the benchmark becomes kind of the best we've seen in every single area of, of the, you know, of the, the framework. Um, but one that we just certified that that is amazing is the Hausman's House in Oslo, and it's a it's a family office uh, that that built this incredible building, and they did it very much from an altruistic perspective. They said it's not about building a smart building; it's about building the best building we possibly can, and it just happens to be digital. You know, it just happens to have that that digital infrastructure. And then they they really believe strongly in in um, kind of future proofing it for for the long term, uh, making it flexible so that you know whatever happens in their tenant structure, whatever happens in in the future of that building, they can kind of unplug and plug and and work that way. So they created these uh, smart grids throughout the building, which allows them to kind of you know, configure the building the, any way that they want for however big or however small a tenant would be and give that small space or large space or whatever they decide to be its own 
you know, smart infrastructure, its own energy uh, metering, its own light metering. It's, you know, it's completely kind of self-contained where, you know, a traditional building will take the energy of the, the building and divide it by the amount of square meters and here's your bill. It doesn't matter what kind of tech you put in, in your sockets, <laughs> uh, you're paying your equal share. And, and this is a completely more kind of sophisticated way to do it. And, and then it's just the most beautiful, high quality building. And one of the things that they did as well, which I think is, is something that I'm working with them to kind of spread the word about is, and I think it's, it's very um, kind of maybe typical to that part of the world or that culture or that way of working. But what they have is they have uh, kind of open, transparent um, contracts with their suppliers where they say, you know what, we're going to we're going to guarantee your margin, but we're going to uh, discuss the cost. Right. And they, they originally thought that the budget of the smart building was going to be significantly higher because of all the smart tech and all these things. But by managing it in an open, smart, and transparent way with their suppliers, they've actually been able to, to create a building that's the same cost, which I think is just something we all need to learn because it's just uh, it's good business. That's all it is. There's a lot in there. I think there's a lot of the principles that you've mentioned in these 27 minutes or so that are really <clears throat> actually just exactly that. Sensible approaches to delivering modern contemporary buildings in the best way possible. That, that happens yeah. to also then facilitate minimizing your environmental damage or at least understanding what environmental impact you're having as a building and being able, therefore, to reduce it and also to improve the, the well-being of the people in the space. It kind of does a little bit of both. It, it sort of is the the underlying building blocks of of that that uh, strategy those strategies i think that's why it's so interesting and when you look kind of a few years down the line in terms of what's coming where do you see the business going where do you see your growth over the next say 3 to 5 years i think that's a great question i think that you know one of the things to to hit on your last point i think part of our role is that we need to get these success stories and these stories out, right? And we need to make them, um, we need to write these cases and we need to make them quantified and we need to really share how impact is really being made. Uh, one of the things that I think is happening now, which is really interesting because I think if we look back three, four years ago, SMART was still kind of this new term that was just starting to kind of emerge and now everybody's signed on. And we're getting, I think, buildings with more technology than is even needed, right? So I think we're going to get to this point of, of rationalization of, okay, what is the right level of technology for, for buildings and, and what's too far, what's, what's not far enough? So I think there's going to be a, a fair amount of that. Um, I think the emergence of, of having buildings be larger than themselves, I guess, being part of a community and not just stand alone. And you see that with with um, with co-working spaces and, and, you know, community spaces, these kinds of things. I think that that's that's going to be a huge component. We, we just certified a building in uh, in Finland that has its own kind of geothermal energy plant that they built under the building. And it is now feeding the energy to the entire grid around that 
building and it's starting to feed all of the apartment buildings and these types of things. And I think there's something to be said about being a, a, a global citizen with your, your project. So I'm, I'm really hoping to see more of those types of applications. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully real estate as a whole will just get better and better. And then, you know, I, I have the strong belief that out of um, challenging times, which the commercial real estate is definitely in right now, comes uh, some incredible opportunities. And I think the emergence of, of cultural, uh, experiential experience type places is emerging. And I'll be very curious to see how that evolves. So, you know, in a way it becomes a, a completely different asset class, uh, not a museum, not a concert hall, not a, you know, uh, an office or a, a hotel type place. It becomes something completely different. And I think we're going to start to see more and more of those emerge because I believe that they're actually quite lucrative, uh, the ones that do it successfully. So Amazing. Yeah, that's great. I think I think you're absolutely spot on. And it's, uh, it's a really interesting position, the one you've carved out for yourself. So congrats on all you've achieved so far. Thank you for your time. We'll link to the website in the show notes. Apart from that, uh, you're particularly active on LinkedIn or social media. Yeah, yeah. LinkedIn, you can find us at Smart Building Collective. Uh, you can follow me as well, Nicholas White. Um, love to hear from you. The collective is is growing every day. Um, and I think we we hinted on the beginning. It's, it's about sharing those stories and working together and working with with fantastic people. And thank you so much for having us. This has been great.